All right, how's it going? Awesome. I am Andy. I am one of the pastors here on staff, and um, I have something important to tell you about pastors here on staff. We like to shoot each other. I'm serious. We like to shoot each other with lasers, all right? Every once in a while, um, a group of us, pastors and elders, we go and we play laser tag, all right? But not just any laser tag. We go to this place called iCombat. Has anyone ever been to iCombat? Just a couple. Okay, a couple of you. Yeah, okay. It's completely different than like little kid laser tag. This is tactical laser tag. This is intense stuff. And last week, uh, Friday, a bunch of us went, you can, you can tell, we take this seriously, right? Because we take it so seriously for one reason. We do not lose. We do not lose, right? And so um, uh, because we don't want to lose, we get prepared and we get ready and we take it very seriously because we don't want to show up and get beat. And so the first step to um, being prepared to play uh, laser tag is obviously the outfits, right? Like, look at us. So we got, we got dark colors and camo, and those are two separate teams. Because you don't want to be like, you know, some guy in pink, you know, or like that crazy safety green showing up and getting shot at. You want to blend in, all right? Serious stuff. The second thing about preparing is strategizing. Once you're on your team and you know what game you're going to play or what mission you're going to play, okay, you have to strategize. So you're like, okay, are you going up? I'm going down. You're going left? You're going right? I'm going up the middle. Where are you three going? You're going to hunt down Ben? Perfect. All right, so this is, this is what we do, right? Because when it, comes down, when it comes down to it, like, you want to have a plan, you want to be ready, because what happens next? Once you learn the game, you have a couple moments, and then what happens is the countdown, all right? The lights drop down, and this voice over a microphone goes, five, four, three, two, one. And then you run around and shoot each other. It's awesome, right? This is a great game. Um, but here's the thing. It, it, it's go time once that countdown kicks in. Like when the countdown starts, you don't want to be checking your vest or tying your shoes or, you know, looking at your ammo or making sure the safety's off, right? You want to be ready. You want to be ready. And when the countdown is going and it's like two, one, there's all this anticipation, all this buildup, nerves and butterflies. And one pastor told me he gets a little bit of gas. And like, you're just thinking about where am I going? What am I going to do? That's right. I got to go find Ben and kill him, right? Like this is what's going through your mind, right? When it gets down. But once that countdown starts, you want to be ready. You want to be ready. We're finishing up this series, 3, 2, 1, where we are counting down to next weekend, show up weekend, and we're hoping that you bring your friends, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, uh, your classmates, whoever, we're hoping you bring them here for an amazing weekend um, for something we have in store. And this week, we're at 1. And in laser tag terms, that means next week is go time, Right? We got to be ready. We got to be prepared. And this whole series has been working towards next weekend. And Ben has talked about how we can prepare ourselves for next weekend, right? By talking about how to invite and that that we need to be inviting people. And then how we need to be including so that when they come here, they feel included. Okay? So so, um, this week, we are at one. And we're counting down to next week which is an amazing opportunity for you to do something in someone's life. Now, think about that term, amazing opportunity, right? We hear that sometimes, usually associated with like, a, like an infomercial or a timeshare, right? And you're thinking, eh, amazing opportunity. Well, it depends how you look at the opportunity that, that determines if you really think it's amazing. If you, if you look at it and you're like, oh, this is an awesome opportunity, you're going to jump on it, right? You're going to go for it. But if you look at it and you're like, eh, I don't really know if that's a, such a good opportunity, you're, you're probably not going to care that much. Well, I found a video that kind of illustrates this idea of what happens when people are faced with an opportunity. Check it out. All right, how many of you have seen that video? 
Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of you probably, it went viral a couple years ago, and it's one of those videos, you know, you like watch it, and it's warm, and it's positive, and you just want to like, you know, cuddle up on the couch with, with Christmas music and an eggnog, right? Typical Friday night for me, and it's just one of those videos, right? But as like warm and uplifting as that video is, I have to point out there's like this really depressing side to this video that a lot of us laugh at, all right? Because among all the people who are asking for TVs and snowboards and cameras and tablets and smartphones, all this stuff, there's the guy who asks for socks and underwear. And you know what he gets? Socks and underwear. Awesome, right? Could you imagine that? Like they're at that carousel thing and the guy's like, look at this TV. What'd you get? Tablet? That's awesome. What'd you get? Oh, phone? Oh, what'd you get? Snowboard? What'd you get? Underwear, cool. <laughs> Socks and underwear. Now, I know, right, Christmas is not about giving. Wait, no, it is about giving. Is it about receiving or giving? I forget. Well, it's about one of them. And it's, it's not about uh, receiving, it's about giving, right? But I'm not talking about either of those. I'm talking about asking, right? Because this guy standing there with his underwear had to have felt like he missed an opportunity, Right? What if he believed he'd actually get what he asked for? What if he went in there thinking, okay, I'm going to get whatever I ask for. You think it'd be the tidy whities the gym socks. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think this guy and all these people had this amazing opportunity to get something they asked for. And, and they, probably, they had no idea they were actually going to get what they wanted. Like they, were, they were probably just playing along with it, right? But this guy's probably thinking, eh, not going to happen. And he missed an amazing opportunity. Right, watching this video, I couldn't help think about prayer um, and next weekend. You know, next weekend is an amazing opportunity. And in order that we're prepared and, and we're ready and we don't miss something that God might do, we need to pray. And, and we need to pray boldly and we need to pray confidently. Right? We need to put away uh, the socks and underwear prayers and we need to pray boldly. I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I doubt the power of prayer, right? I look at it as something I need to do, but I don't always trust in its power, or, or I doubt the results, and so I pray for the equivalent of socks and underwear in my prayers, and, and I miss out on opportunities, and we don't want to miss out on an opportunity that God has in store for us next week. So we're going to be looking at one of the most powerful prayers in Scripture. We're going to learn from the Master Jesus, and this is a prayer that's often overlooked um, but it is powerful, and it's going to help us uh, get ready for next weekend. It's in John 17. In fact, it is all of John 17. It's the entire thing, and it's Jesus' last prayer um, before he is arrested and he is crucified. And I want to look at this prayer today for two reasons. He, he prays for people in his church, and he prays for people outside his church. And this week, this is what we need leading up to this weekend. We need prayers for us in here, and we need prayers for people out there who we're going to invite um, and pray for. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read the entire chapter uh, of John 17 from, straight from the Bible. And it's quite a bit of reading, so we're actually not going to project it up on the screens. So if you want to follow along, grab a Bible around you. Um, I'm reading from the same one uh, that you have. Grab a Bible um, and encourage you to follow along. And if, if you don't want to read along, right, um, that's totally okay. Just consider closing your eyes and just kind of listening. Um, and, and, and pay attention because this is the last prayer uh, of a man who's going to go um, and face death. Right? This is the last prayer of Jesus. The last prayer of Jesus. And so pay attention. What is he, what is he passionate about in this prayer? 
What is he hoping for? Who is he praying for? So if you want to go there, it's John 17. In this Bible, it's 753, if you have this one. Um, And when we're done, what we're going to do is we're going to look at how this prayer can shape our prayers and get us ready for next weekend. Okay? Here we go. John 17. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and he prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have, re- I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and the glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except for the one doomed to destruction so that scripture may be fulfilled or would be fulfilled. 13, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, as you are in, in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. All right, there's a lot to this prayer. But what I want to do is kind of look at three things that I think will help us and shape our prayers um, uh, and make us think about show up weekend and, and our hope of filling up some of these empty chairs in this auditorium, right? First, Jesus' prayer is driven by mission. In verses two through four, here's what he says. For you granted him authority, him being Jesus, over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. All right? All throughout this prayer, Jesus is talking about his mission. 
right? He refers to his mission. And we talk about mission a lot here at River Glen, right? What is Jesus' mission? Why did he come to earth in the first place? What was he trying to accomplish? Well, according to this verse, what he's saying is that he came to give people eternal life, right? So, well, what is eternal life? Well, according to Jesus, eternal life is that people may know God and Jesus Christ who he sent. That's what all this is about, right? Jesus came so that people would know God through him. Not know about God, but know him intimately and personally and know him. And, and as followers of Jesus, his mission becomes our mission, right? It's why we exist as a church. It's why we meet every Sunday. It's why we're doing show up weekend because of Jesus's mission. And, and it should shape and it should drive our prayers. So here's, here's what happens when your prayers are driven by mission. Your mind and your heart are transformed, right? And, and you become, uh, your prayers become what matters to Jesus, which is people and that they know God, right? What matters to you is the same that matters to Jesus, people and that they know God. So what is eternal life? Knowing God. How do we know God? Through Jesus. That's it. That is the mission. And Jesus phrases it again earlier in John. He says this in 14.6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Right? This is a hard verse to grasp for many people. And when we doubt it or we ignore it or we choose not to believe it, it hurts our prayers and it hurts other people. So let me break it down. When Jesus says, um, he says, I am the way. Common belief is that there are many different ways to God. Many different ways, right? All different, but somehow they all lead to the same place. The problem is that they are all different and because they're all different, they contradict each other. Right? So not only are they all different and they all contradict each other, you have to choose which one's right. And so people that have this mindset of there's a way to get to God, they have to choose some moral standard, some set of rules, some way to live their life, something, some expectations to meet, and they have to live with that, and that is their way to God. But Jesus comes along, and he, and he offers something totally different. He doesn't come along and say, oh, well, here's a new way to get to God, or here's a new religion that you should follow, or a new set of rules. No, he comes along and he says, well, I am the way to God. He's the way to God. So basically, he sets himself apart from every other belief system out there. There's no path. There's no set of rules. There's no standards that can be followed to get to God, right? There's no ladder to climb, no scale that needs to be balanced, if you or someone you know is living with this mentality that, that a person gets to God somehow, that puts all the trust, all the burden on you doing something. You meeting some standards, meeting some uh, expectations, hitting the mark, right? But when we turn to Jesus and we put his trust in him, the burden falls on him doing something. And he already did it. And there is no way to outdo what Jesus has already done. So he is the way. Now, the self-righteous side of me doesn't, doesn't really like that. I, I don't like the idea of thinking I'm out of control of my destiny or I don't get to brag about um, getting to God. But I know deep down inside that I cannot meet even my own expectations, let alone God's expectations. So for me, this is good news, right? This is good news. I think of most people and I think they're tired. I think they're tired of trying to meet expectations, trying to live some perfect cleanup life, give some impression that we have it all together, right? We're motivated by fear of guilt, fear of shame, constantly wondering, have I done enough to please God? It's exhausting. 
It's exhausting to carry that burden around. And what Jesus says is, hey, I'll take that burden. And he did. And that makes me think and want to pray for people that I sometimes look at and I think, oh, they're good. They're good to go. They have a good head on their shoulders. They have a nice life. They haven't done anything real wrong. They haven't really messed up royally. They don't need my prayers. Right? I forget that Jesus is the only way. And because I forget, people are missing out on my prayers for them. Right? And if they're missing out, on that, they're missing out on eternal life because all the good, moral, upright people, as admirable as that is, I'm not claiming to be one of them, but even though that's the case, if, they're, if they don't know God, they are missing out on the most important part of life, eternal life. Who do you know needs Jesus as their way? They're carrying around this burden of living up to expectations. What's their name? Can you picture them? How are you going to get them here next week? How will you be praying for them this week? Jesus says he's the truth. So by saying he's the truth, Jesus is basically saying he is the fulfillment of Old Testament scripture. So in other words, everything that the Old Testament promises, Jesus is the answer. He is the truth. So in other words, he is the savior the world needs. He is the redeemer the world needs. He is the restorer, the healer, the rescuer. He is everything that the Bible says he ought to be. He is that. Everything that the world needs, right? The world is broken. Humanity is broken. Just read the news, right? And what we need isn't a bunch of new rules, a bunch of new philosophy, new methods, new ideologies, new systems, right? We don't need that stuff. That's not the answer. Jesus is the answer. He is the Savior. He is the Redeemer. He is everything that this world needs. That's the truth. And sometimes I forget that Jesus is the truth. I forget. And there's people in my life that need answers and they need hope and they're looking to other places and because I forget, I don't pray for them to find the answer and the hope that is in Christ. Who do you know needs Jesus as truth, the answer, the hope? What's their name? How are you going to get him here next week? How are you going to pray for him this week? And Jesus says, I'm the life. Many people think, you know, to experience life, you do whatever you want. And I was one of them. I was one of these people. Um, believing that life comes from escaping the mundane parts of life, right, and running to the fun, the thrilling, the rebellious, right, the, the reckless, the pleasure, or we can fall into a trap of thinking, oh, we, if, if I just do what makes me happy, that is the point of life. As long as I'm happy, I'm experiencing life. And I think of um, running into a job or running to work thinking if I can just get more money, more success, climb the ladder, more accomplishments, more approval, more recognition, I will experience life. The problem is uh, the thrill tapers off, the success runs out, the accomplishments are forgotten, and you're left with a void that cannot be filled, that cannot be filled, and you're left with discontentment and disappointment. The reality is Jesus is what gives life, nothing else. To know Jesus is to know God, and to know God is to, to basically fulfill your ultimate purpose as being created. To know God is what you were created for. You were created for him, by him, 
That is life. And it makes me think uh, and want to pray for all the students that, that I've watched wander off and all the friends I have watched wander off into rebellious life, you know, running from God, the friend who drives to work thinking, if I can just get one more project, one more thing under my belt, one more accomplishment, more money, a bigger house, whatever, I've made it. Sometimes I forget that Jesus is life, and all these distractions are dead ends. And I don't pray for my friends and for my students because I forget that Jesus is what gives life. Who do you know that needs Jesus to experience life? Who's trying to fill some void, some hole? How are you going to pray for them this week? How are you going to get them here next week? And when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that is amazing news for this world. It is good news. Those who are trying to climb the ladder, right, clean up their lives, live these impossible standards, Jesus is the way. Those who are looking for hope, for answers, Jesus is the truth. Those who are running to everything, trying to find something that makes them feel alive, Jesus is life, right? And how should, how should uh, this mission drive our prayers, Right? Well, Jesus came for the good neighbor, the hurting friends, and the rebellious kids. So we pray for the good neighbor to give his burden over to Jesus and know God. We pray for our hurting friends to look to Jesus and find hope and find answers and know God. We pray for that rebellious kid to stop running and turn to Jesus and experience life and know God. When our prayers are driven by mission, our prayers become about other people and about his mission. What matters most to Jesus becomes what matters most to us, people, and that they know God. And because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, no one is off the table. No one is exempt from this, right? No one is off limits. No one is too good for you to pray for. No one is too lost for you to pray for. No one is too broken for you to pray for, right? Nobody, everyone is fair game. Second, Jesus prays for us to be out there. He prays for us to be out there. In 15 to 19, he says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Sanctified, think purified, made holy, and set apart for a special purpose, right? So Jesus doesn't say, Father, take them out of the world, away from all those bad, evil people. It's not what he says. He says, leave them in the world and protect them. Let them live amongst other people so that they can see what it means to know me, and they might know me through them. So in other words, Jesus prays that we go out into the world, it is great that we come together on the weekend. It is great that we come together and we are encouraged and equipped and, and challenged and we learn and we get together as a community and we worship and we remember who Jesus is and what he did and we take communion. That is all really good. But when we leave here, the work starts. The work starts. Every day this week is an opportunity to live like Jesus and to invite people to come and experience what it's like to be part of his church. So how should this change our prayers? If God wants us to be out there, we need to be praying for opportunities. Opportunities out there so we can bring people in here. 
So first, we need to ask God to plan opportunities in our life. Plan opportunities. Plan opportunities to show people that they are loved, to tell people that they are loved, that there is a God who does love them and isn't disappointed in them and doesn't hate them. Opportunities to, um, you know, tell people uh, about this amazing church community and invite them. Opportunities to show people who are rejected, right, and abandoned that there is a place for them to come to. Ask God for opportunities every single day. And then you got to ask God to prepare you for those opportunities. When you ask God to do something and, and give you opportunities and plant something in your life, you need to be prepared, right? And when you pray for opportunities outside these walls, you're going to go through every day throughout the week and you'll be like, God, is this something? Is this someone I need to talk to, right? I don't know what to say. They pr- they're looking at me like I'm a weirdo. What should I say? Help me, God. Give me the words. Give me the courage. Open them to my invitation. Open their heart. Open their mind to what I have to say. You can be praying all throughout the day to God, right? There is never a time when you are without God, so there is never a time you can't talk to God. Help me. Help me know what to say. Give me guidance. Give me wisdom. Give me courage to talk to this person. Jesus prayed for us to be out there, which just means we need to be praying for opportunities, uh, for God to plan and prepare us for those opportunities. Finally, Jesus prays for people outside his church. In verse 20 and 21, here's what he says. My prayer is not for them alone. It's not for us alone. I I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one father. Just as you are in me, And I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Long before any of us have prayed for someone outside these walls, Jesus prayed for them. That should give you confidence. That should give you hope. God is always working behind the scenes. He prayed for the people who are going to believe through you. People will believe through you. Do you believe that? Right? The people you reach out to, the people you invite, the people you, you uh, show God's love to and, or, or talk to them about it, Jesus prayed for them. This week, let's pray like Jesus is right next to us, praying alongside us for all the people we love and care for. Right? Your, your family members, your friends, your classmates, your coworkers, whoever. Whoever. Right? Let's pray that they come next weekend and they experience something that could change their life or or set them in a new direction or just give them the first step towards knowing their creator, right? No socks and underwear this week. Big, bold prayers for God to do something next weekend, change lives, give hope, give life. Let's do it. So here's what else we're gonna do besides praying for opportunities. Every day when your alarm goes off, which you set, because I could see, because it illuminates you. I was watching. All right. Every day when your alarm goes off, I want you to pray for your people. Just pray for them by name, expecting that God will do something, right? Trusting that he loves them. Trusting that he wants a relationship with them. Trusting that your prayer could come true. Let me ask you, what if God answered your prayer? Think of someone. What if God answered that prayer? What might that look like? I've seen it happen, right? Several years ago, River Glen did something called Catch the Wave, and as part of this challenge, we had people pray for uh, others, right, 
who, who didn't know Jesus or, or wasn't connected to any church, and they went up on the back of the auditorium wall and wrote their name, the old auditorium, so now the FLC, and they wrote the names. And in all, River Glen collected hundreds and hundreds of names, and lives were changed, all right? But I want you to hear the story of one life that was changed through one person's prayer. Check it out. Hi, I'm Nick Reed. Uh, I've been coming to River Glen with my family for about 10 years. Coming to River Glen was a kind of a life-changing experience and something that Lee and I could do together. And in the meantime, we've uh, had four beautiful girls that we can bring to church and share God with. Ever since I was little, I was brought up in a strong Christian home and I always believed that the power of prayer was important and God answers prayers. And I remember our service during a Catch the Wave campaign and Pastor Ben had a sermon about um, prayer and who we could pray for and he kind of asked us to go to the back wall in service and write down someone's name that we wanted to pray for or who we were praying for. I've always thought about this one person that um, would really benefit from River Glen and benefit from having God in his life. And my wife and I always wanted to invite him and we even threw it out there if he was visiting on a vacation or in the summer. Um, we're going to church on Sunday. Do you want to come along? It took some time, but he actually came with us to a service. Maybe the peer pressure finally got on. <laughs> when he first started coming to River Glen, um, I think he didn't realize how much it was going to be applicable to his everyday life and how much it would actually influence him and be so positive. He started coming to River Glen on more of a regular basis and I think he was actually invited to be in a small group with 20-somethings and I think that was really his stepping stone to bigger and better things, not just coming to church on Sundays. And I think that was one of the biggest changes that influenced him. Lee and I were so happy when he came to that point where he decided that he wanted to be baptized and um, leave his old ways in the past and move on and become different, become changed. I guess the coolest thing is is that the name that I wrote on the wall seven years ago is my own brother-in-law, Andy Averill. Believe in the power of prayer, that one name that's stuck in the back of your mind. Don't forget about him. Uh, never give up on him. Keep praying for him. So Nick prayed for me. Eight years ago, I was a name on a wall. And here I am. I'm here because of Nick, right? When he wrote that name, my name, up on that wall, he believed that God would do something. And he did. 
And my life is different because Nick prayed for me. Ah, you know what I was doing the day, the day Nick prayed for me and put my name up on that wall? I never chose any, I never wanted to do any of this, right? I didn't grow up going to church, didn't grow up a Christian, didn't grow up dreaming of being a pastor, all right? Didn't, wasn't a, wasn't a dream. So when Nick wrote my name on the wall, well, if it was a Sunday morning, I was probably hungover somewhere, right? Or if it was a Saturday, I was getting started, if you know what I mean, right? So last thing on my mind, God, when Nick writes my name up on that wall, all that mattered was me. Really rebellious, very rebellious, selfish, didn't care about the wrong I was doing, didn't care about right or wrong, didn't care about wise, didn't care about the people I was hurting. All the time, it was all about me. Selfish, rebellious, too far gone in a lot of people's eyes, but not Nick. Nick knew a lot about me, and knowing it, he thought, you know what, Andy needs, Andy needs Jesus, Andy needs a place where he can go and he can belong, and he can experience God's love, and he prayed for me. He prayed for me, and he wrote my name on a wall, and he prayed, and here I am. Is this blowing your mind? It blew my mind, right? Yes. I can't take credit. I cannot take credit for this. <laughs> How many of you are here because someone reached out to you? Someone prayed for you. Someone invited you. Let's, let's see. Let's see. Look around. We are here because someone loved us enough to talk to God, and it changed our life. Well, it's our turn to change someone's life. Eight years ago, Nick did what you're about to do, right? Who are you thinking of right now? Erase all the biases and all the excuses and all the things that you're thinking they would never come here. Get rid of that and just think of a human being. Who is it? Who is it? Who is it that you're thinking, man, I just wish would God, God would do something in that life. He would change them. He would show them hope. He would show them that he loves them. Who is it? Who is it? Pray for them. What's stopping you? What's stopping you? What if God answers your prayer this week? Someone you love. What's that look like? We need to invite, we need to include, and we need to pray. And we need to pray like Jesus, believing he is what gives us eternal life. He is the way, he is the truth, he is life. We need to pray. Here's how we're gonna wrap up today. We're going to have some extended worship to give you a chance to, to think about this, to, to reflect, to pray, and to get our hearts aligned with God's, all right? So we're going to start with communion, and communion is open to all followers of Jesus. And, and what we do is we, we take the bread that represents Jesus' body, and we take the juice that represents his blood, and we take it in remembering what he did on the cross for us, Right? And as communion's going around, take some time and pray. Pray for yourself to be ready. Pray, pray for opportunities this week to, to either reach out to someone or, or talk to someone. Pray that their, their mind and their heart is opened to this invitation. And if you've been thinking about someone, someone popped into your, your mind during this service, text it in. Because I'm going to come back 
And we're gonna pray for people by name in this service and hope that God does something amazing next weekend.